innovation itself is is fairly evasive. But something that is fairly certain is that you need a certain amount of expertise in any field to be able to reach a breakthrough past that. Uh, I would also argue that that in fact happens with the intersection of uh, business needs and cybersecurity. Welcome to the Reimagining Cyber Podcast, where we share short and to the point perspectives on the cyber landscape. It's all about engaging yet casual conversations on what organizations are doing to reimagine their cyber programs while ensuring their business objectives are top priority. With my co-host, Stan Wisseman, Head of Security Strategists, I'm Rob Borrego, Chief Security Strategist, and this is Reimagining Cyber. So Stan, who do we have joining us here today? Rob, our guest today is Marco Panetta, former head of cyber technology and innovation at the World Economic Forum, and previously the European CISO at JPMorgan Chase. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us today, Marco. Can you expand on your background as well as share what you are doing today for our audience? Uh, absolutely. Uh, thanks a lot, uh, uh, Rob and Stan, for the opportunity. Um, as you said, Marco Panetta, um, uh, just uh, previous to, uh, to this, I was the uh, head of uh, cyber technology innovation at the World Economic Forum. I cut my teeth uh, uh, early on uh, in, in cybersecurity, um, actually along with Rob, uh, back in the old days of the uh, kind of the wild west of the internet with uh, Genuity. And uh, we were one of the first uh, enterprises to, uh, for instance, sell managed VPNs and managed uh, firewall technology. Um, so I started with a system engineer over there, spent most of my career in finance, and after that moved over to uh, Morgan Stanley, then for an insurance firm in the United States. And uh, about eight years ago, they moved me to become the asset management CISO of EMEA here in uh, Switzerland. And yeah, then moved over to the World Economic Forum to try something different. One of the things I, I read about um, in your background was, um, and some of the things you worked on at World Economic Forum, you, you guys put out an article in early 2020. In this article, you expressed the view that cybersecurity and the threat landscape would be reshaped by the greater global access to the internet that was occurring. Yep. And in the article, you encouraged leaders to avail themselves on new knowledge and processes and tools to ensure responsible protection of data and organizational resilience. Now, Marco, do you think we reached that anticipated inflection point in 2020 that you wrote about, and, and especially after the pandemic drove Absolutely. even more people to the internet usage. And Absolutely. do you believe leaders are, are heeding your advice? You know, it's, it's about a year now since, uh, since we wrote that article. Although there's a glaring absence, in fact, of uh, specifically talking about the pandemic, a lot of what has happened, maybe not with the same drivers, but a lot of what, uh, what has happened is in fact um, spelled out over there increased use of remote technology, increased use of mobile technology, not necessarily driven by 5G, but instead driven by, in fact, the pandemic and people working more from home and remotely. So absolutely, a lot of what my colleagues and myself spoke about in that article, in fact, have come to pass. Like it or not, we know that security professionals and business professionals, as we're going to be talking about the intersection of that today, have in fact been forced to deal with the necessity of securing what has now become uh, one of the basic foundational technologies of their businesses. 
So, you know, recently at the beginning of February, the World Economic Forum released their global risks report, right? And one of the key aspects that kind of, uh, at least I always look at the outcomes of that is what the cyber impact is to the businesses and, and kind of how that's continued to elevate itself. And it's, I think, number eight at this point in time as uh, from a likelihood perspective, which is, again, just showing the reality of the impact, right? Right, right. If you go back to the report uh, that, uh, or the article that you authored, uh, co-authored last year, as we were just discussing, um, and you said, you know, kind of, as we just mentioned, probably about 80% accuracy, which is, mm-hmm. which is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. What, though, do you look at from that to kind of where we are now as the focused priorities, right? Have, have these businesses, as they've been moving digitally and kind of accelerated, right, that digital transformation requ- requirement because of what happened with the pandemic, um, what, what, what are those top priorities you're actually seeing kind of that evolved over the past year and in even a little bit of what's going into this year? Last year, let's, let's face it, it was a very, you know, I'm, I'm going to be very understated here and say it was a busy year last year. Um, cyber, for better or for worse, was crowded off of uh, the usual news landscape. Um, so understandably, it's a little less visible. But in fact, those of us who have uh, been keeping an eye of and who work in, in the field uh, know that uh, in a lot of ways, things haven't changed. And as a matter of fact, the uh, increased use of uh, online services, e-commerce, um, uh, video conferencing, work from home, those have all uh, just given uh, what we call bad, bad actors uh, more opportunities, in fact, for their work. We're going to see more of that as it goes on through this year. And I guess as far as finding uh, more opportunities for cybersecurity within businesses, we'll also do the same thing and um, increase the likelihood or the opportunity for such mishaps or for such actions to take place, so such bad actions to take place. In this year, absolutely, we're going to reach an inflection point, I think. Uh, as far as people getting more used to working remotely, people getting more used to doing more stuff online uh, will also mean those people also include our so-called bad actors who may want to take advantage of those new opportunities. It's not really a temporary change caused by the pandemic. This is a, a true change in how we're operating, how we work, right? And, and, and likewise, the bad actors are taking advantage of that remote access. Absolutely. And you've seen this uh, echoed with mainstream analysis of what's going on as far as the pandemic is concerned and society in general, how things, everything from how we study to how we play uh, to how we get together and work, obviously, uh, are going to change and going to be more and more uh, dependent on online technology. And if you aren't convinced that it happened before, you should definitely be convinced this year, but at this point, that it has in fact happened. And we reach a tipping point, and we're so reliant on it now that the inverse protecting that infrastructure is uh, more and more critical to uh, the survival of our way of life. And for the modern day CISO and CIO, what are the main attributes that need to they need to focus on, um, as well as uh, if you think about the culture and the mindset that they need to bring to their teams? to be able to meet the needs of the organizations to help them unlock these areas opportunities or just to be able to deal with and adapt to today's environment. Stephen Johnson's kind of principle of, uh, I, I don't know if you've heard of it, the adjacent possible sort of applies here. And, you know, as the economist says, it's a kind of uh, innovation itself is, is fairly evasive, but something that is fairly certain is that you need a certain amount of expertise in any field to be able to reach a breakthrough past that, 
right? So the old adjacent, uh, adjacent possible is just getting to the cutting edge of your field to be able to see what comes next and what you can innovate for. And that's not possible without doing that work beforehand. Uh, I would also argue that that in fact happens with the intersection of uh, business needs and cybersecurity. Uh, the, and also that the best place folks for that would be CIOs and CISOs who are very familiar with their own fields, but also need to have a good, uh, almost expert, fluent understanding of the businesses that they support in order to be able to find those opportunities. And it's those intersections where you'll find the most fruitful sorts of innovations and possibilities and opportunities. Can you give some examples? Well, um, I'm thinking back to my Morgan Stanley days, which is the early 2000s, and uh, some of our work with uh, single sign-on back then. Um, essentially, what we did was um, through the organization, we found that um, people were logging in to, they had about 10 or 12 different applications at a time that folks needed to use. And because there wasn't any single sign-on, they would have to log on to them sometimes several times a day. We figured that if we eliminated most of those logons and tried to get single sign-on where we'd have some trust uh, carried on between applications, we could eliminate most of those logons. And in the end, which we actually did, we saved the company something like 16,000 hours per month, man hours per month of wow. productivity, which across a 50,000 or so person firm is, is fairly significant. Um, and it's one of those, unfortunately, to this day, rare occurrences or events that I've seen where cyber was able to make a direct visible impact on the end business itself. Now, I, I'm sure Caesars are listening to this and, and saying that, well, we have a direct impact on the business. But I think we all have to admit that a lot of times we're buried behind uh, a lot of what needs to be done. We're doing the basic blocking and tackling, but not to use, not to overuse a um, kind of a sports metaphor, but even even the linemen have to uh, uh, watch for touchdown opportunities, right? Uh, they always have to do that. So I think in this case, yeah, we're doing the basic blocking, tackling, keeping the business going, but we also have to keep an eye out for those opportunities where we can directly contribute to the bottom line. I think, Marco, that's the key word is opportunities, right? Yes, it's, it's It's that shift in the mindset of the CISO, um, and in essence, what happened with the CIO many years ago, right? That shift in the mindset of them having to not only look at the, how do we protect, how do we prevent incidents from impacting the business, but also as we see the new initiatives that we're working on for the business, what are those areas of opportunities that we can actually better influence that it's going to do, you know, kind of, let's say, it's going to provide us an opportunity to inject additional revenue streams into the opportunity that that initiative is introducing us. It's going Absolutely. to provide better trust with our employees, with our consumers and our third party partnerships, right? Those are kind of the areas that they have to be putting their caps on and thinking a little bit differently. As Absolutely. Part of that. Do, do I have a tool or do I know of a tool uh, or a system or process that can actually help you uh, on the business side, um, reach your objectives, reach your goals? What are some of those different innovations that you think have some gravity to them to be able to actually be more of a opportunity we can take advantage of and put that cyber lens on it. We can start with uh, distributed ledger technologies, um, which as you know, uh, are um, I think the most famous right now um, 
I would say implementation of DLTs would be blockchain and, and Bitcoin. DLTs are really at the very base, just distributed databases, a copy of which like all the parties have a hold of. Much of the ideal usage of DLTs is really in kind of low trust environments. Speaking with some um, folks in the shipping business and the commodities trading business, um, a lot of the ideas around this were, for instance, improving the efficiency of the supply chain. Um, a lot of times right now in international shipping, if you're on a ship crossing the seas and you get into port, your bills of lading, for instance, a lot of times that's still on paper. You get into port, you get your dock, and there's this courier on a bicycle that essentially picks it up from you, uh, bikes it over to the central office of, uh, of the port, they do the paperwork and bikes it back to you. Now, imagine in that case, and this is the idea of a, of a, of a few CISOs in, in, in the businesses, if we had uh, some sort of DLT technology instead, where we were sharing ledgers across the board, even before I got into, into port, the port itself would have access to these records because it's a DLT that they share it. And because of its nature, all parties are assured that those transactions uh, are in fact sound and credible. Hey, Marco, you mentioned privacy and, and the business is getting inundated. And I think it's going to just increase as far as the regulatory compliance requirements on, on data privacy issues. And what innovations do you see coming to help address this? I mean, we certainly see the, the challenges of, of old are still there, right? As far as discovery mm -hmm. of what data you need to protect and, and then applying those protections to structured and unstructured data. But mm -hmm. how can the cybersecurity technology support the business and being more compliant to these privacy regulations? Well, I think the compliance bit is already there. Uh, I think it's, it, it requires work and requires some careful kind of risk analysis as to the amount of effort you want to put into, and which is really key, right? I mean, I think we've spoken about it for a long time, um, but I think that maybe that understanding isn't quite there, certainly beyond uh, the cybersecurity, shall we say, area of an enterprise. That is, in fact, it is a, a risk calculation, uh, how much you want to, how much effort, money, et cetera, resources you want to spend on that particular problem. Um, on the other hand, and I think this is where it kind of helps that discussion, the CISO getting a seat at the table, for instance, I think quite interestingly and maybe uh, adjacently, the ability to bring extra value uh, to the business, in fact, gets you more credibility at that table, right? So uh, the reason I brought up privacy enhancing technologies is that uh, my former colleagues at the forum uh, and the finance group uh, came out with a great paper uh, on the use of privacy enhancing technologies in, uh, in finance. And um, you know, they had several examples, but one of the interesting ones was for instance, fraud detection. A lot of times uh, fraud gets difficult to detect once um, a perpetrator, for instance, crosses enterprises where they're using more than one financial institution to perpetrate their fraud because those happen to be like separate data stores, if you like, right? Or data domains for good reasons. And you brought up compliance, right? Because I can't share that data because of privacy reasons, because of uh, whatever regulatory compliance reasons, uh, that data is opaque. And so that gives a bit more opportunity for malefactors to uh, kind of cross that domain and be a little bit invisible. What you could do though, like using some of these privacy enhancing technologies is that you can share this data without 
divulging the data, which sounds strange and it's, a, it's kind of a bit to wrap your head around. But in fact, it doesn't allow, if you can imagine, if only I could see the other person's data without them divulging any of it and possibly creating uh, privacy issues or exposing their business model, then that would be great because then I can find this kind of fraudulent uh, activity going on uh, and catch these malefactors. And mm -hmm. in fact, that is possible uh, with a lot of zero trust and, and again, privacy enhancing technologies, which we'll find. So I think this is kind of the interesting bit, the part that I have a lot of passion for is finding these sort of opportunities and really leveraging them. I think there's to use an already overused term is there's a lot of money being left on the table, I think, mm. by not trying to recognize these opportunities, not trying to leverage these opportunities. I think you brought up a, a very key point, which is uh, when you think about you know, sharing of the data within an organization, a single organization, even that's a problem, right? How do I share information in a secure fashion for different types of business purposes? Right. Um, but solving for that, I mean, there's, there's definitely capabilities to do that. The collaboration, though, across different verticals, as you're alluding to, right? That's where the real power comes into play. But it's also them having to feel comfortable yes. right? to be able to do that with one another, feel Absolutely. that there's a good level of trust. Absolutely. Um, you know, and again, they're not going to have data that's relevant for them to, you know, divulge information of, as you mentioned, but still the value of that collaboration is going to allow them to accelerate, right? Their capabilities Absolutely. Absolutely. much faster. Well, Marco, very informative, innovative, which is what we're looking for, obviously, in conversing with you today. But I think the key, again, takeaway is that from a security community as a whole, especially at the CISO level, now is the time for them to really be looking at what those opportunities, as you referred to, are and anything that's put in front of them, right? Where they can insert themselves. Um, and then some more advanced things about acceleration for different companies working with the same, same vertical, right? To, to help move things along faster and still have that level of trust with one another. Thank you, Marco. Thank you, Marco. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Reimagining Cyber Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to have us cover a specific topic of interest, feel free to reach out to us and you can find out how in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe. This podcast was brought to you by CyberRes, a micro-focused line of business. Where our mission is to deliver cyber resilience by engaging people, process, and technology to protect, detect, and evolve.